I want to I read to you this morning. I, I want you to get mentally riveted about what I'm going to share. I want you to lean in this morning about these next few moments we have together because I think there's something so important about having the good teacher, having a proper teacher. How many of you had trouble in school listening to your teachers? Let me see. Am I the only one? I also I always had trouble. I don't know if I had ADHD or ADD. I don't know. But, you know, I had trouble staying still. I had trouble listening to instruction. And, you know, I didn't have a good upbringing. And, you know, sometimes God gives you scriptures and, you're, and you go and you read them. And then sometimes you hear other scriptures and it just penetrates your heart. You know, I wasn't raised in church. And when I was 11 years old, I was put out on my own as, a, as literally homeless because of my father's drug addiction. And my mother had a, a terrible disease that she wasn't able to take care of me and my brothers. I was the youngest of three boys. And I'll never forget the feeling of abandonment, the feeling of rejection, the feeling where you just feel like nobody didn't really care about you and you didn't have the proper instructions. And so not having the proper outlook and identity I dropped out of school in the ninth grade. I had a ninth grade education, and I make a long story short, and I want to share with you this thought because I think all of us need teachers. We need people to help us, to teach us the right ways to go. It's so important because I was living life on Dead End Street. My house address was zero. In some areas, I grew up way too soon. I mean, I shouldn't have known what I have known at such a young age, and I matured too fast with my with my life and my all the things couldn't keep up with it but then some areas I was extremely immature I was extremely unknowing and I'll never forget it I'm 22 years old I made a mess of my life and I got invited to church now I've never been to church in my life I wasn't raised in church and I got invited to church and on May 18th 1997 I went to church for the first time and I bowed my knee that night, and I gave my life to the Lord, and I was radically changed. I mean, I didn't have a church encounter. I had a God encounter. God changed my life. And so two weeks later, I was traveling, and I was ministering to people. And from 1997 to 2010, everywhere the God would open the door, I would travel. I'd never left my neighborhood other than to go to jail when I was a youth. But here now, because of God, God opens all these doors, and I traveled all over America. But the problem was I traveled and ministered. I traveled. I went to a church. I went to a conference, a convention, uh, a certain place to speak, a school, a, a university. But then I would go back home, never experiencing certain things of life. So I, I had no understanding on church, how church works, how, how life works. I mean, I never even barbecued before until last year. I was always traveling. I was always doing stuff for the ministry. And I'll never forget because I read this passage of Scripture and it really helped me understand what I lacked and the reason why God can be the greatest teacher you've ever had. I read out of John 14, verse 26, but, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Now, I had not known many things, and so I had a lot of insecurities. I'll never forget the time when I first was coming to the church, and they asked me to be the pastor. And at that time, there was about 50 people on a Sunday morning. There wasn't that many people attending the church at that time. And I'll never forget when they asked me to come and be the pastor. I was so taken back and insecure. I went to my, my spiritual leader, my, my father in the faith, and I asked him, I said, you won't believe it. The church asked me to, to become their pastor and, and to take on the church. And he looked at me and said, 
boy, they must be desperate. And I thought, yeah, they must be very desperate. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no church background. I have no theology background in cemetery. I mean, seminary. I have no understanding of, of how church works, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And then I started to read these scriptures because I believe that sometimes people cannot see in us what God has deposited in us. And even people that's close to us, they can't see in us what God has deposited in us. But I think even further than that, I think because of our insecurities and our own doubts within ourselves, we cannot see what God has put in our hearts and in our lives. We cannot see the potential. That's why we need a teacher. Everybody say teacher. We all need people in our lives, like Brother Joel, who Jennifer told you about, who believed in me and believed in the mission and the mission of, of, of ministering and helping people to the point of all the insecurities and all the lack of knowledge and all the lack of understanding that God would start helping us to have this great awakening of what's inside of us. It is, it's interesting to note when Jesus was on the earth before he started his earthly ministry, the Bible says he went to the Jordan River and he was baptized. And when he was baptized and came out of the water, God the Father said, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. And at that moment, he was no longer Joseph and Mary's son. He was God's son. And immediately when, when the enemy recognized what his identity truly was, that he was God's son, the next verse says, the enemy came and tempted him. And I believe that's true with all of us, that the enemy will come and he will tempt us where we're insecure, when we don't have the proper upbringing, where we don't have the proper understanding, where we do not have the proper life experiences and we've had difficulty in life. I believe the Holy Spirit now starts to teach us that what's in us is from him, that there is an identity, there is a calling, there's something for us to do, and that if we connect ourselves to him, he will provide for us things that we never thought, dreamed, or imagined. Listen to John chapter 15, verse 7. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you shall ask what you will and you shall have it. It will be given unto you. Those scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, friends, it makes it very clear. Our spiritual power, our, 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 our mental power, our, our, our spiritual understanding, our, our future potential is is locked into this thought, knowing God. Because when you know God, he becomes your teacher and he starts to help you in all things. Can I get a witness this morning? He starts to help us in all things. He starts to give us things and understanding that we never thought we could accomplish. I never thought in my wildest dreams I could be a pastor and a minister. I only went where the doors opened at the time and season in which they opened. But God saw something in all me that I couldn't see in myself. God saw something in Jennifer that, that she didn't even realize she had great potential, potential to build, to encourage, to edify, to strengthen. How many people know that you can know about certain things, but not know the real thing? The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, and this is Jeremiah says this. He says something interesting. He says, I know the Lord. I know the Lord. Not many people can honestly, truthfully say that because they know about God, but they really don't know the teacher who can teach them all things. 
You say, well, oh, Joey, that's because I have a bad upbringing. I have a bad disposition. I've had a, a difficult childhood. I've got difficulty in my health. I've got certain things that are going on right now. And so I can't understand how God's going to work that out. But if you know the Lord, I'm going to try this out over here. You look friendlier. If you know the Lord. If you know the Lord, the Lord will help you and teach you all things. You won't let a season of mourning become a lifetime of mourning. You won't let a difficult upbringing, you won't let a difficult moment, you won't let a setback of a health issue, an upbringing issue, a financial issue, keep you from learning from the great teacher and providing for you in all things. But you got to know that because when you know that, I think all of our major decisions, they get made. Who we're going to marry, we marry people that have the same beliefs and values as we have. That means we're not driven by people that have different beliefs than we have. We have an opportunity to connect with believers. We, we know how we're going to live our lives. We know who we shall worship. We shall worship Father God. We know how we can raise our children, not in our own strength, but knowing that they are arrows in the hand of mighty warriors. That's the heritage of children. We'll know how to live our lives. We'll know how to work. We're not working unto men. We're working unto God. We'll know how to give because we'll realize that our lives are predicated upon giving, that we're not giving uh, anything that doesn't belong to God anyway. So we're giving unto the Lord. Now think about that. All your major decisions, when you truly let him be a teacher, they're already made. How you're going to live, how you're going to act, what you're going to do, who you're going to get involved with. When you know the Lord and you let him teach you, you'll know how to react on certain things. But this involves something a little deeper. I think a little deeper than just kind of knowing another person or reading a book or learning a language. I think really knowing God and really truly letting him be your teacher, you have to go a little deeper. You really do. You have to go a little deeper because most of the time we live our lives on the surface, talking to somebody, they talk back to us, and we, we, re, we really live it a little surfacey. We take God at that same way, kind of surfacey. I'll come when I need you on Sunday. I'm going through a trial, but the rest of the week, man, I'll come back on a Sunday again, maybe in a three or three weeks later, and I just kind of, I'll keep it at a surface because I really don't know him that well, and I think he really knows me. That's why he's, he's not blessing me like he's blessing somebody else, and we have this misconception about who God is because we really don't know him that well. Reminds me of the story of three preachers. They were at a convention, a conference, and so they were talking, and they didn't really know each other that well. So after the conference, they, they went up to the room together, and they are having a time of fellowship, and they, they said, you know, we don't know each other that well. We're, we're all three ministers, but do we really know one another? So they looked around and says, no, not really. And one of the guys said, well, I know how we can get to know one another on a deeper level. He says, let's confess our secret sin one unto another. And so they all three agreed, and the first guy said, you know, my secret sin, guys, is I just, I, I like to gamble. I go out of town on my prayer time, and I, I just, ka-ching, ka-ching, that's my secret sin. The two guys looked at us and said, oh, brother, you know, we're going to pray for you. We'll help you. The other guy said, you know, my secret sin is, is drinking. He says, Jose Cuervo is a friend of mine. He says, I just, I can't help it. I just have to have the drink. And, and so they looked at him and said, oh, brother, we'll pray for you. And now the relationship's going a little bit deeper. So the third guy, he wasn't talking very much. And finally, there was some awkward silence. And they looked at the third guy and they said, hey, what's your secret sin? There was a pause. And he said, my secret sin is gossip. And I'm dying to get out of the room. 
How many of you know you're not going to have a good relationship with that type of attitude? So in other words, if, if you're going to know somebody, really know somebody, it's a two-way street. It's got to go both ways. You've got to let them be known to you and you be known unto them. Because we don't know a living thing until we know how they're going to react under certain behavior and circumstances. We don't know a living thing until we know how they're going to act under certain circumstances. The girls and I ride our bicycles where we live, and we always go by the house, and there's a, a row of houses with different dogs that they have in their front yard. And one of the dogs always, this dog, I mean, he's like 270 pounds. He looks like an, a buffed horse. I mean, he is massive. He's a huge animal. He always sits on the porch. And any time that he rears up and starts barking, I say, girls, if he's going to do that, we got to take off. He's going to jump that fence because we don't know. He's massive. And the other day we went by and he went, he burred up. And I started out, out running and they go, dad, you can't outrun that dog. I said, just got to outrun you. <laughs> Father of the year. But the dog is massive. He's scary looking. I mean, he just sits on the porch and rah. But then the dogs next door, they, they go crazy when we drive by. And one day the, the, the owners came out and said, oh, they won't hurt you. They love company. They love kids. And so we stopped and we petted the dogs. And every time we come by, we, we outrun the first house, but we stop at the second house. And the reason we know that, because we know how the second house is going to react. It's kind of like that in life. Sometimes we pass by a certain house because we don't really know how they're going to react, and then we stop at the second house. But I'm telling you, involving your life with the things of God is more than just the church service. It's more than just coming every now and again on a Sunday and missing a few weeks out of the month. Knowing God is allowing Him to be known to you and you to be known to Him. You could be around people at work, in your, in your life, your neighbors, and you could look at them one day and say, I don't know who these people are. You could be around them for years. You could be sitting by them at church and not really know them because people keep secrets. People hide behind masks. People put their best foot forward. They, they lie to you one minute and then they tell half-truths the other. You say, that's cynical. No, that's life. That's what people do. People will betray you and let you down. Can I get a witness this morning? They will. You say, this is supposed to be edifying and uplifting. It is. Because you got to have the dash of truth before you can understand reality. Because we see people in part. And so people will let you down. You know, you can be, you can be around people and not really know them. But you can be around an animal for a short period of time and know how they're going to react and fully know that animal. Because there's nothing hidden there. And that's important to know because the fact is knowing another person is a direct, a direct result of allowing that person to be known to you and you to be known to them. Now, I've sat with lots of people throughout my years. I mean, I, like I said, I traveled. I sat with lots of people. I, I sat with them. I ate with them, but I don't really know them. And they don't really know me. Because to know each other, you've got to take that other person into your confidence and you must share personal details about your life. And that simply in many occasions does not happen. You can sit beside somebody, work with somebody, live with somebody and not really know them. Now consider what I just said and the power of knowing the teacher. 
The God of the universe has empowered all of us because he lives on the inside with the power of the Holy Spirit to truly know him. He says, you call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not. Try calling a U.S. senator. See if you can get the line and get a meeting with them. You'll be waiting for days. Try to call somebody of influence. You'll never get connected with them. But I want you to know the creator of the universe, the God of heaven, says, you call on me and I'll answer you. I'll be your way maker. I'll be your burden bearer. I'll be your healer. I'll be your deliverer. I'll be the one that sticks closer than a brother. I'll be the one that comes in the darkest of the night when other people walk out. I'll walk in. I'll give you the best of things in the worst of times. Put your hands together and thank God for the creator of the universe. He lives on the inside. He lives on the inside. So as we get ready to close our time this morning, how do we hear that voice of God? That inner voice that how do we how are we led by God so we can really know him on a greater level? Because what we behold is what we become. I want you to understand that because what we look up to determines who takes care of us. Who do you look up to as a teacher? Who ministers to you? Who who mentors you? Nobody gets where they need to go on their own. So I want you to think this morning of three pictures, a picture of a a father looking down at a son. Another picture of a sheep leading, being led by the shepherd. And a third picture of a king looking to the servants to implement the kingdom business. The father looks down at the son. The sheep is being led by the shepherd. And the king looking to the servant for the implementation of kingdom business. We all fit in one of those categories, if not all of them. So what is God calling us to do today? He says, I want you to know me on a greater level. Not a level that's surfacy, but a level of your true identity. Because I believe the enemy always attacks when there's an identity issue. When there's an identity issue, just like Jesus, the enemy starts to attack. The enemy tries to attack and take you out of your destiny. If I would have listened to the enemy in 2010, we would have never been able to do what God's called us to do. And I would have never fulfilled my divine assignment as a man, a minister of the gospel. And I say that with great respect. But sometimes we let naysayers and people, even though sometimes they mean well, and sometimes they think they have our best interest, but we're not being led by the teacher. What is God saying? What is God asking me to do? What is God commanding me to do? In 1 John 2, 4, it says, He that says, I know him, but does not do what he says, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So what does God command us to do? He says, when you pray. When you pray, I begin to act. Where there's some prayer, there's some power. Where there's more prayer, there's more power. Where there's much prayer, there's mucho power. God says, when you want to activate me, just talk to me. And you don't have to talk to God with these long, lengthy prayers. Some of the best prayers I've ever prayed were, help. Help me. And God goes, I got you, son. I got you. So he says, when you pray. Then he says, when you give. It's a commandment of God when you give because it's for your benefit. God can get it to you if he can know he can get it through you. He says, when you give and when you fast. Those three commandments are supernatural in the power of the understanding of who he is in your life. God commands us to go out into that world and tell about the love of God, not to preach at people, to be the answer for people. 
We have too many people preaching at people. We, we are the answer for people. You were created and designed to solve somebody's problem. God knew that if I'm going to come to Stockton in 2010, I am created to design a, to solve a problem. There's problems in Stockton, and we've been created by God, Oasis Church, to solve those problems. And some of those problems take a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort. But I want you to know that because you were designed and created to solve problems. You were put on this earth to be a problem solver. And God says your, your problem that you're to solve is the lack of love issue. Love one another. As I have loved you, you love one another. God calls us to reproduce fruit, fruit that remains, fruit that's ongoing, that, that fruit of the Spirit would be all those wonderful attributes of it. He said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and he that does not love does not know God. Oh, sweet Jesus. And there are people that they won't speak to family members, they won't speak to one another, and they claim they love God. They, they hide under church pews, and if they don't like something in a church, they go to another church because they don't love God, because they don't have the love of the Lord. When you meet real Jesus, not the religion Jesus, but when you meet the real thing, you'll love one another because that love of God will shed abroad in your heart, and you will love one another as God has loved you. 1 John 3.16. Listen to this verse. Because he laid his life down for us, we ought to lay our life down to one another. That's a painful verse. Did you hear that? Oh, some of you don't want to read it. I'm going to read it again just to make it even more painful. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our life for one another. Oh, I want the houses I didn't build, the vineyards I didn't plant. I want the wells that I'm not digging. No, no. That's how you know God in a greater way because you're going to move past your feelings and you're going to love one another. Christ is the shepherd and we are the sheep. He is the leader and we're to follow him. He makes the rules and we're to follow them for our benefit and blessing. And I want you to know that because how do we know the word of God over our lives? First, through his word. We know our word that he has for us because it's found in his word. We know the Word of God because it's in His Word. We know when God speaks to us because it's followed up with His Word by those circumstances that He's allowed. You say, Joey, God allows the circumstances of my life? Yes, they, He does. You say, well, I don't believe that. Ask Joseph, who put him in the pit, the prison, and took him to the palace. God did. God did every step of the way. You see, your circumstances, they don't make men and women. They reveal men and women. They reveal what's on the inside of you. The scriptures say that when Joseph was in the penitentiary, that steel developed in his spine. That's when a fuzzy-faced teenager became a lion of nations because what was on the inside only came out in adversity. When you get adversity, what comes out of you? That's what's on the inside of you. So you have to evaluate that word with the circumstances, and then you have to have the peace of God to walk in those circumstances. The Bible says he'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. But you have to be know. You have to know. You can't be led by your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. You'll be like an emotional roller coaster. Up one day and down the next. You'll be singing the song, feelings. Whoa, 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 feelings. Then you'll turn on the radio and they'll have one sad song after another. And you'll be going, oh my gosh, I guess God's mad at me. I guess he's angry at me. I guess it's Ichabog on the church, Ichabog on my life. Oh, oh, my feelings. 
You can't be led by feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Feelings and faith, sometimes they don't match up. When we have these certain feelings and impressions and experiences, they're never equal to the Word of God. They can't be. My feelings, my expressions, my, my life, they're not equal to God's Word, certain things I've went through. So I can't be driven by one experience, one thing, one difficult moment, one season of suffering. I can't become a lifetime of it because it's a season. And if I let the feeling of a season, it'll dictate my future and it will kill it. So how do you know that? Because you have to realize that peace will be your umpire. The peace of God that surpasses understanding and not to be driven by your feelings and know the end from the beginning. How do you, how do you hear the voice of the teacher? By not being led by your feelings. Not being led by your feelings is so important. When you talk to a, a crowd like this one, many times they think, if I don't have the right feeling, I'm afraid I'm going to be a hypocrite. So I have to have the right feeling. But do you feel like going to work on Monday morning? Of course not. You're a hypocrite if you go to work, right? No, you go to work because you get paid. If you don't go to work, you no bueno. Does it make you feel like a hypocrite for doing what you need to do? No, you do it anyway. So use common sense for spiritual matters. The Bible says, he that knoweth to do right and doeth it not. To him, that's sin. In other words, God says, don't be self-willed. Don't be, don't be driven by your self-will. There's, there's a great fact of life here. It's not about you. The Purpose Driven Life by Brother Rick Warren, the first page of it, he starts this purpose-driven life by saying, it's not about you. There's always something bigger in the picture of life than you. And when you realize that, I have to die to my will. I have to die to those things. I have to. So I can't be living by feelings. I have to see the end from the beginning. And I can't be driven by self-will. I have to be driven by what God's will is for my life. I refuse to become a self-willed person. Pride is a deadly cancer. And pride says, I'll do it my way. My upbringing, my experiences, I'll do it my way. And God says, you'll go around the mountain a long time until you understand it's not about you. It's about the God, the creator of the universe that lives on the inside of you. And he's got an identity that you don't even realize that you have and a purpose that you need to fulfill that many times we can't see it in the day-to-day -day grind. But we fulfill it when we surrender our will for his will. But friends, as we close, I want you to understand hearing is learned. You have to learn to hear the voice of God. Hearing from God, it's something we choose to do, but you have to learn to do it. You have to learn to, to be led by the still, small voice. You have to learn that that scripture, just like that scripture was given to me this January, and man, I tell you, I needed that as a parent, that the Holy Spirit would teach me all things because I had no upbringing with parents. I had no mother and father to take care of me. So I needed that. I needed that as never pastoring a church before, having no religious upbringing, what to speak of. I needed the Holy Spirit to teach me how to function in society with Christian people. Because you all are weird. I'm serious. God's got some strange people. Christian people are different, peculiar. And so I had to have the Holy Spirit teach me how to deal with Christians. The first accusation and a, a tragic uh, 
horrible thing that somebody said about me when I was a pastor. And I'm like, I've, I've ministered the gospel supernaturally for 15 years and been everybody's hero and I become a pastor and I become a big fat zero. I'm like, what happened? And God says, the greater the level, the greater the assault. And so you can't take those things personally. God's taken you to a new level. So you got to let it ride off you like water on a duck's back. And understand that you have a purpose and you have a calling. But hearing is learned. If I had a baby up here like we dedicated those little babies this morning. And I took a baby rattle on the left side of their ear and I just and I shook that rattle. That baby would respond to that rattle if it had good hearing. And if I took a rattlesnake and put it on the right side of that baby, that same sound of the rattle, which one would the baby reach for? They both sound the same. One is harmless, one can kill you. It works like that with your destiny the same way. When you hear things, they come from three different sources. The first source is your own feelings, your self-will. You have to discern that and be crucified in that self-will. The second one is demonic. When the enemy comes in and attacks your identity. But the third one is the voice of the Lord that says, this is the way out of Isaiah, walk in it. And the reason why he said there's a voice behind you because we as sheep get out in front of the shepherd. And God says, don't get in front of your skis. Be led by me. And I'll lead you exactly where you need to go. And I've got great plans for you. I've got plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a great, fantastic future. You receive that word today? I know that you do.